It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. To the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Qinator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, courtesy of The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. It's a great mix of national voices that you already know, like Jay Glazer, Mike Sandow, Mike Lombardi, the late, great Don Banks, or for The Athletic, too, and awesome local writers. In fact, one of my buddies, Harif Hassan, covers the Vikings, and I was just reading an awesome article that he wrote about this critical offseason for the Vikings. So if you're somebody that likes coverage of your own team, Great, plenty of that, but if you're somebody that likes coverage of other teams like I do, you can get tons of great writers that cover teams besides your own, and as I said, great national writers too. And here's the best part, not only do you get first-rate reporting, but you get all kinds of great analysis, advanced analytics, in-depth player profiles, and more, and it's completely ad-free, no clickbait, just great content. Pro sports, college sports, The Athletic has it all. So if you're not subscribing yet, you're really missing out. Want to get in on the action? I got a great deal for you. Just for being a Play Like a Jet listener, you can go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and you'll get yourself 40% off a year subscription. 40%, that's a lot. Go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and get all of this fantastic sports coverage in the athletic for 40% off today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's part two of the weekend mailbag. So that means we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from JetsJoe73. He says, how many Chris Nimbleys would it take to beat Brock Lesnar in a fight? Just one. He's the very big deal. All he would do is walk into the ring and Brock Lesnar would cower in fear and run away. This, this is true. This is absolutely true. Um, <laughs> except more realistically, it'd take a couple million. <laughs> Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He says, if all three of the highly ranked offensive tackles, Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, and Tristan Wirfs are off the board, and Lamb and Judy are also gone, and the Jets can't find a trade partner to trade down, is number 11 too high for Makai Becton? Funny you ask that, Michael, because before this mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah, I would have said maybe, but now I guess he knows something that I don't about Makai Becton's stock. I love Makai Becton. I've been talking about this for a while. If you watch his tape, especially this past year where he really improved in terms of his footwork, his balance, his fundamentals in terms of pass protection, he was always a mauler in the run game. The only real concern you have with Makai Becton is his size because it's 6'7", 370 plus pounds. That's a man that could break down. 
But watch him pass block this past year, and he shut down a lot of really good players. Watch him in the run game. He's just an absolute beast. There are some insane highlights on his tape, in addition to just really good consistency this past year. But there are some plays. You'll see him lift defensive ends that are 250, 260 pounds, straight off the ground 15 feet. I would love to get Makai backed in. I would absolutely pick him at number 11 if he was there. I'd have no problem with it. But from the sounds of it, it looks like he may not be there. Yeah, I haven't watched any of him yet. And, uh, you know, I haven't watched Louisville <laughs> since Lamar left. So, um, but I, even before that Jeremiah mock, uh, that, you know, that was obviously higher than I had seen. But I had been uh, hearing that there's a good chance that he could be, you know, a, a, a top 10 uh, worth being going at, picked at 11, maybe a top 15. Like, I think there's going to be uh, a lot of movement, a lot of momentum for him to be like a top 15 guy. And if that's the case, then, yeah, of course I'd take him at 11. Um, I'm, I'm going to start watching tape this week, and I will – I think I'm going to start with him at this point. But uh, from what I've heard from others talking about it, it, it sounds like I, you can expect him to go – probably somewhere five to 15, depending on where the other guys go. <clears throat> so I would absolutely be willing to take him at 11 if, if that's the case. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, if Robbie Anderson leaves, what will the Jets be able to get in terms of a comp pick for him? Also, what kind of offense would Gase want to run? That way we would know which type of offensive lineman would fit his system best. Does he want more athletic guys that can move in space or bigger ones like Trent Brown? So let's start with the first part of this. If Robbie Anderson leaves, do the Jets get a comp pick? I'm not entirely sure, so I'm going to punt to you on that one, Chris. And the next part of this question, what type of offensive lineman does Gase like that would fit his system best? With his system, it's very confusing. I'm not entirely sure what he would prefer, to be honest with you. So, Chris, do you have any insight onto that as well in terms of what Gates would prefer, which style of offensive line, and also the Jets could get a comp pick for Robbie Anderson if he leaves? All right. Well, as far as the comp pick, I don't think that they'd be getting one uh, because they're probably going to spend too much money uh, anyway. Um, so... They might be able to get a late one, depending on what they spend. But I, they're they're going to spend money in free agency, so that will counteract uh, Robbie leaving. Uh, so I don't think that they'd be getting anything really. You know, that's going to make a difference. As far as the offensive lineman, remember in Miami when uh, they wanted they wanted to go out there and sign some some guards, and he said, "Nope, I'm good with my offensive line as is," and then. The offensive line was an absolute disaster that year, and he wanted to go spend money on uh, Danny Amendola and the defense instead of the guard. Um, he wants. Let's see. I, you know, he's we we see how he uses running backs. So, like, run b blocking scheme isn't the most important thing to him. He wants uh, more pass protection and like. Not necessarily most athletic guys, more big, stronger guys, I would guess, because he wants to keep Darnold in the pocket. Um, I can't, you know, I can't think of anybody that, like, I could say that would be an Adam Gase offensive lineman off the top of my head. He doesn't have, from everything I heard about in Miami, like, he's not too, like, as nearly as focused as he should be 
on offensive line and getting the right offensive line. So that's a problem in and of itself. Next question comes in from Tom Hyde. He says, is there hope for Adam Gase's offense when the line is rebuilt? A better line means a more effective running game with Bell, which should open up the passing game. This happened with the 49ers, praying it can happen with the Jets. I would hope so. <laughs> with Adam Gase, you never really know because he's so stubborn. Who knows what he would do in terms of using Bell if Bell's even here. But if the line opens up, then obviously that increases the odds that the running game would be productive. There's no way around that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's we always used to talk about the running game helping the pass game. Um, now I think it's more the opposite. You want the passing game to open up and help the run game. Um, but, of course, you, just look at the Chiefs last week. Uh, you know, they they were throwing the ball over the place. Mahomes is looking great. Tennessee's worrying about the pass so much. And then all of a sudden Andy Reid says, hey, let's just milk the clock and run the ball. And all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, the Chiefs can actually run the ball? They haven't done this all year. Well, the reason why they could do that was because they have Patrick Mahomes and everyone's scared to death of the passing game. Next question comes in from Matty Trainer. He says, does Gase keeping Pollock suggest that he believes the poor performance from the offensive line was due to injuries, personnel, scheme fit, rather than Pollock's coaching? It might. It also might be a stubborn thing where Gase brought Pollock in here and doesn't want to admit that Pollock did a bad job. There's a variety of things that could be playing into this. You never really know with Gase. I can't get inside his head, and I guess that's a good thing because that would be kind of a scary place to be hanging out. Yeah, that's, that's a super scary place. Um, Pollock had such a uh, good reputation coming in, and you saw the success he's done in the past, the way he's turned lines around. And it's really hard for me to like have any idea if he did a good job or a bad job or if it was just awful talent and injuries on top of a lack of talent to work with. So, like, I can't really sit here and, you know, we talked about this during the season <clears throat> that we thought that Pollock might be a fall guy. Um, but I'm not going to knock Gase for not firing him, not getting rid of him, because, again, of his reputation and everything else, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for now. Um, and you just hope you get him more talent, that talent can stay healthy, and then he'll do a much better job going forward. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. 
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. And now, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, thought I might bring in my brother Craig for a little fun. He joined us throughout the season to give his betting picks every Sunday. And so, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, figured we would do that. But not just for the game itself, but also some of the more fun prop bets that are going to be going on. So, hopefully, help you make a few bucks. Craig, you excited for the game? Hey, what's up, Scott? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's nice to... uh see some different teams in there for a change. Obviously, Mahomes is exciting, and, you know, the Niners have a great defense, so I think it'll make for a real great game and, you know, offense versus defense. And let's be honest, we're all, I think most of us, except for people that live in Boston, are happy not to see the Patriots in there for once. That's for sure. And this is a very evenly matched game on paper, at least. A one-point spread, which tells you all you need to know about what the odds makers think here. Kansas City favored by one. Let's start there. Who do you like in the game? So I, I, I know you remember this, but before the playoffs started, I did I did tell all the listeners uh, I thought Chiefs was a good bet at eight to one to win it all. And as much as I did say that, now we're going to switch, and I do like the Niners plus the one. I just think I don't know. I just have a feeling the defense is going to. I'm not going to say shut down Mahomes because he's great, but. I think the defense is going to make some big plays and Niners are going to win in a close game. I'm not sure how I feel about this. It's either going to go one of two ways. Either you're going to see the Chiefs blow the doors off of them or this is going to be sort of a repeat of that Seattle-Denver Super Bowl where Denver was expected to score a ton of points and Seattle just overwhelmed them on the defensive side of the ball and blew them out. I could see it going either way. I guess if I had to make a pick, I would go with Kansas City just because it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes at this point. But I really wouldn't be surprised with any outcome. And now, after we decided on who we think will win the game and what the best bet will be there, let's talk about the most common prop bet, which of course is the MVP award. I'm going to go through some of the odds real quickly, Craig, and then you can talk about which ones you think are the best buys. I'll throw in my two cents as well. So here are the ones at the top of the list. I'm not going to go too far down because then you're just getting ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes is the overwhelming favorite at plus 110. Of course, if you believe the 49ers are going to win this game, there's no way you would bet on Mahomes. Jimmy Garoppolo is second at plus 250. Raheem Mostert plus 750. George Kittle plus 1400. Travis Kelsey plus 1400. Tyreek Hill plus 1600. 
Damian Williams plus 1600 and then I'll give you a couple other ones real quick Nick Bosa plus 2000 Debo Samuel plus 2500 Emmanuel Sanders plus 3300 I don't know that there's really anybody else worth mentioning here so what do you think Craig out of that who would you pick as far as the best value buys and would you consider going out and putting a wager on Garoppolo or Mahomes even though they're overwhelming favorites to win the award so if you're going to go for one of the safer ones, obviously, you know, in general, the QB has a good chance to win the MVP. So I do like Garoppolo plus 250. I think that is, that's pretty good value because, you know, the Niners win, there's a high chance he's going to win. I also, I like as a long shot, the 14 to one odds. I like actually both of the tight ends. I think both decent, decent chance. They could, either one of them could have a big game between Kittle and Kelsey. So I, I think, you know, throw a hundred bucks on one of those and have a chance to win fourteen hundred. I don't mind. I don't mind that. I could see Kelsey for sure having a big game. I'm with you on that. I think the two tight ends are both solid odds at plus fourteen hundred. I would never bet on Mahomes or Garoppolo only because even though they're overwhelming favorites for a reason, which is that the quarterback almost always wins the award. I just don't like betting to win almost nothing it just seems pointless if you're betting a dollar to win a dollar now here are the dark horses that i do kind of like if you really want to get adventurous nick bosett plus 2000 one guy that i did forget to mention frank clark at plus 8000 because this is the type of situation where if somebody like frank clark has three or four sacks and has a monster game like he did a couple of weeks ago it's possibility that he could win the award i still think that if the chiefs win unless he plays really poorly the odds are with Patrick Mahomes, and likewise, that unless Jimmy G doesn't play well, odds are that Jimmy G would win the MVP if the 49ers win. But if Nick Bosa or Frank Clark has a huge game and nobody else really stands out, that could be a decent shot in the dark. Because again, if you lay 100 bucks at plus 8,000, you have a little fun on Super Bowl Sunday. It's kind of like buying a lottery ticket exactly. in a way. It's a Super Bowl. We all like to throw in a little gamble or two, so why not take a chance? The over-under in the game, Craig, is 54.5. What do you think? Well, I'm going to go with the under, obviously, by liking the Niners. I feel like that means that I I personally think it'll be a lower-scoring game. If, if it's more of a shootout, I, I feel like the Niners aren't going to be able to hang with the Chiefs. So I, I do think, I, like I said, I don't think they're going to shut Mahomes down, but I think they're really going to, I think they're going to stop him more than anyone else has this postseason for sure. And I think it'll be, I think it'll go under the 54 and a half. The interesting thing here is your inclination would be if you like the Chiefs to do the over because you're going to say that they'll blow them away. And if you like the 49ers to do the under because the idea would be that if it gets to be a lower scoring game, then it would favor the 49ers. But keep in mind, the 49ers were a top 10 offense as well. They've been running the ball very well, and the Chiefs have a terrible run defense. So it's entirely possible that you could see the 49ers win this game by scoring more points than the Chiefs. I'm not saying it's going to happen if it gets to 50 points for the Chiefs or something like that, but you could see something along the lines of 34-24, which would give you the over in that particular case. And I think if you like the Chiefs, obviously, you would go with the over. I'm torn on this. I'm going to go with the over just because I want to see a fun Super Bowl. So we'll call this a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't really have a ton of confidence in that particular bet, though. 
Next prop, Craig, the first person to score a touchdown in the game. The running backs are favored here. Damian Williams and Raheem Mostert both at plus 650. After that, Travis Kelsey at plus 700. Tyree Kill plus 750. George Kittle plus 900. Debo Samuel plus 1200. Tevin Coleman plus 1400. Manuel Sanders plus 1600. And then you've got Sammy Watkins, Matt Breida, Kendrick Bourne, Patrick Mahomes, because we're not talking about throwing the touchdown, I would be running it in, so he's plus 2,000, and there are others, but I'm not going to sit here all day listing him. I think there's decent value here with George Kittle at plus 900 myself. What do you think? Yeah, again, I like the tight ends, Kelsey and Kittle. Kittle plus the 900, Kelsey plus 700. I actually don't even mind Mahomes plus 2,000 rushing. I mean, I'd say there's a good chance he winds up getting a rushing touchdown in this game. So, hey, why not? If why not let it be the first one? So, I think that's pretty good, twenty to one odds. And truthfully, even Damian Williams and Raheem Mostert, who are the overwhelming favorites, at plus six fifty, that's still a decent bet. So, if you believe that the first touchdown is going to come from either one of those two, I wouldn't necessarily shy away from it. Over under on passing yards. Patrick Mahomes, the over-under is 300. Jimmy Garoppolo, the over-under is 240. What do you think? Again, I mean, I'm just going to have to stick with my gut since I'm going with the Niners. I'm going to go with the over on Jimmy G and the under on Mahomes. So I'm just basically going everything all Niners here. So we'll go over Jimmy G, under Mahomes. I'm going to go the reverse. I think it's going to be over for Mahomes and under for Jimmy G. I think if the Niners win, it's going to be largely because of the running game and controlling the clock. It's certainly possible Jimmy G goes over 240, but I think that if the Niners are going to win this thing, he's going to probably be under. And actually, if they lose, he may be under as well. Although, if they lose, it may mean that they're trying to catch up for the bulk of the game. So in that case, he may go over. Mahomes, look, it could go either way. If the Chiefs don't do what they've been doing and Mahomes gets held in check because of the Niner defense, then he's going to go under. But it's hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Let's talk about the rushing over-unders here. For Damian Williams, it's 82.5. And for Raheem Mostert, it's 89.5. What do you think? I actually like the over for both of these. I think both teams might run the ball. I think the Chiefs will actually run the ball more than you think. And I think 49ers, like you said, it's going to be a lot of running and defense so I actually think I kind of like the over for both I like the over for Mostert because of how poor the Chiefs run defense is I'm not sure I love the over in reverse because I think the 49ers run defense is much better and also Damian Williams does a lot of his damage in the air so I think under 82.5 is good for him but over 89 for Mostert is a good bet let's talk a little bit about some of the more absurd ones, though, Craig. How about the coin toss? The Chiefs are plus 255 to win. The Niners plus 310. What do you think? Oh, man. All right. So, I, I mean, I'm just going to stick with keep going everything Niners, so I'll go with the Niners on that one. But I, I do have my one my one pick for you. I I do love the uh, – we were talking about it before. I like the uh, color of Gatorade being tossed on the winning coach, Purple. Plus 400. Got to go with the purple. I mean, just seems like an obvious one there. Purple Gatorade. I could see it now. 
I'm with you. I like that too. I think the purple Gatorade at plus 400 is good value. And I'm going to say the Chiefs will win the toss for no real reason. It's literally a coin toss and it could go either way. So that's just one of those that you want to bet on for the heck of it, I guess. A couple of other quick ones that I thought were funny. The over-under on how long Demi Lovato's musical performance is going to be is at five minutes. What do you think? Got to go with the over. I mean, I think... There's going to be a little tribute to Kobe Bryant, you know. I think she's definitely going to extend it a little bit. I, I, I think she, I think you got to go over on that one. I'm with you on that. I think for sure there's going to be some sort of tribute to Kobe Bryant, and that'll cause it to go over. Over under 2.5 commercials that involve a dog. Well, that definitely over. America loves the dog, so I'm going to go over 2.5 for sure. I'm going to be honest with you, Craig. Of all the props that we've talked about. I think that one might be the biggest slam dunk. I see zero way that the under happens here. Has to be over 2.5. Like you said, America loves dogs. So there you go. If you want some good props to bet, we gave you the over-under. We gave you who's going to score the first touchdown. We gave you the MVP. We gave you the game. And then we gave you some of the more absurd prop bets. Craig, what are you doing for the game? You going to have a big blowout there in Vegas? No, not quite. Just hanging out with the family. You know, my dad, well, our dad is in town. So gonna hang, he's going to hang out here and just watch with the family, get get some barbecue food, maybe some brisket, some mac and cheese, and just watch the game and hang out. Sounds like the best way to do the Super Bowl. Craig, thanks for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. For anybody that wants to pick your brain on this stuff, because remember, football may be over, but there's plenty of betting to be done with baseball coming up, with basketball in full effect, with hockey going on, and of course, one of the busiest times for gamblers coming up soon, March Madness Tournament. You're definitely going to want to pick Craig's brain. You can talk about poker, or if you just want to talk to him about whatever, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, so it's cmason86 at AOL.com and Craig Mason on Facebook. Just wanted to say thanks a lot for having me on this season. I had a blast. Definitely a pretty good year in terms of in terms of betting. I'm not sure exactly what my overall record was, but I know for sure it was winning, and I had fun doing it. So thanks again for having me on, and hope to do it again next year. Hey, guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Jack. He says, guys, I know that this isn't a football-related question, but it's football-adjacent because there's a Hall of Fame in football, too. What is going on when people aren't voting for Derek Jeter? What is the difference between the process for voting for the NFL and Major League Baseball? And why do we never hear silly stories like this with Hall of Fame voting for football? That's an interesting question. The process is different because it's limited each year with the NFL. And remember, it's a very different dynamic in terms of who gets into the NFL Hall of Fame and who gets into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. But Chris, we were talking about this before we started recording. The way these sports writers vote is really stupid. Obviously, Derek Jeter got in and so did all the rest of these no-brainer Hall of Famers. But the fact that Mariano Rivera was the only guy to get in unanimously makes no sense because... If a guy is a no doubt about it surefire Hall of Famer, what is it that's keeping you from voting for that guy? 
as I was saying to you before we started recording, imagine being somebody looking at your ballot and going, yeah, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez. Yeah, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Like, how do you justify not voting for somebody like that? It makes no sense. I don't want to hear about tradition or any of these things. A guy's either a Hall of Famer or he isn't. And I understand there are players where it takes a while. That's why you have the Veterans Committee in baseball and in football. We just saw Winston Hill get into the Hall of Fame. So there's an example of somebody that they had to think about for many years and finally come to the right conclusion. But if you're talking about, say, Deion Sanders, imagine being somebody with a Hall of Fame vote and not voting yes on Deion Sanders. This whole thing makes no sense to me. The Hall, I've talked about this before. I don't really care about the Hall of Fame in, in general. And it's because of stupid things like this, because of uh, sports writers trying to make a point and grandstand and make it grab attention about them. That's mostly why. And also because, like, there's some players who should be in who aren't in. And, like, my opinion of a player isn't going to change because they're in the Hall of Fame or not. So it's not something I pay much attention to, but – I do think the Baseball Hall of Fame, you're more limited with your vote. I could be completely wrong about that. Um, but, yeah, the idea of a first ballot Hall of Famer is just silly. Um, you know, I get that there's more who won't make the first ballot because not everybody thinks they're Hall of Famer. But if you think a guy is a Hall of Famer, then you think he's a Hall of Famer. You should vote for him on the first ballot. You shouldn't be like – I. I think this guy's in the Hall of Fame, but let's make him – or should get in the Hall of Fame, but let's make him wait three years. Like that's – what type of sense does that make? None of it makes sense, and it, there's just so much politics and grandstanding in it, and it, it should really be simple. You know, the, the, everything with Terrell Owens that happened was ridiculous. Terrell, Holm, uh, Terrell Owens is a Hall of Fame receiver, and he should be in there. The idea that – no one should be care that Derek Jeter didn't get 100%, but at the same time, who's not voting for Derek Jeter for the Hall of Fame? He's a Hall of Famer. Um, it, it Just all this stuff is so stupid, it makes my head hurt. And I, I'm just like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to hear it. I think it was funny because Colin Coward came out on Twitter and said, I didn't vote for Derek Jeter for the Hall of Fame. Wasn't clutch enough. I'll explain later. And I immediately thought he's got to be trolling because I don't even think he has a Hall of Fame vote. But of course, everybody took the bait and went after him. I haven't looked. I have no idea if he actually had a Hall of Fame vote and if he was being serious. But I thought that was a really funny troll because so many people were so mad talking about how we have to out this person and make sure that he never votes for the Hall of Fame again. And this has to be exposed as the corruption that it is or the anti-Yankees bias. And then here comes Colin Coward just throwing that out there and reeling people in. So I thought that was actually a stroke of genius from Coward if that's what he was doing, trolling. And let's be honest, Chris, that's kind of what this is all about for him. It's what he's always been about, but it's smart because it gets him all the publicity that he's looking for and gins up the outrage. Yeah, that that's always how it is. And le this is another thing. This is a little bit off topic, but we all need, as collectives, we need to come together and stop reacting to uh, when people just tweet outlandish, dumb things on purpose, because this is a trend now. People are just trying to say dumb, stupid stuff to get attention and to get the engagement and the clicks and uh, not the clicks, but the engagement. 
and have people quote tweet them and everything. They're doing this on purpose. So we as a collective need to come together and learn how to ignore these people. Yeah, that's why I stopped responding to people like Skip Bayless when they tweet out dumb things because, like you said, that's exactly what he's doing. And it's an interesting genre in the sense that if you sit back and look at it, you can see a guy like Skip Bayless and you go and look back years before he became first take Skip Bayless and he was nowhere near this stupid. You have to be this stupid on purpose. You can't possibly actually be born as stupid as Skip Bayless presents himself to be. So when you tweet at him or when you quote tweet him or when you yell about him, all you're doing is giving him the oxygen that he's looking for. And that's the reason that Skip Bayless can make $10 million a year to produce opinions along the lines of Aaron Rodgers isn't as good as Mark Sanchez. Yeah. It's again, it's just, you can tell a a, a lot now when people are just being uh, overly dumb on purpose and just trying to get attention, uh, make uh, it's so just, and, and the skip Bayless, the Callum cowards, this has been their shtick for a while and we all need to stop dunking on them. We just need to ignore them and hope eventually they go away and or at least their bosses say hey they're not getting the engagement anymore this isn't working and then they will get rid of them by the way i just realized it was colin coward who said that mark sanchez was better than aaron Rodgers. what skip bayless said one year is that the packers would have won more games with rg3 than aaron Rodgers. so either way both of those guys are throwing out stupid opinions on purpose just to get attention so like chris said Don't give it to him. And actually, we probably shouldn't have given it to him by talking about this. But all we're doing is telling you what the blueprint is and explaining how you should avoid it. Last thing I want to ask you about, Chris, before we go. What have you been watching lately? Any good movies? Any good TV shows? Because I feel like we haven't had any of those questions in the mailbag this time around, which is weird. And I wanted to see if we could steer into that at least a little bit. I I recently watched uh, the season two of that show, You, on Netflix. It, that is a crazy, weird, creepy show, but it is also fun and entertaining. Um, I just rewatched, finished rewatching The Good Place. I'm caught up on that as that that's coming to an end soon. Uh, I've started rewatching Parks and Recreation. It's been a while since I've seen that. There's, uh, I started watching that the new show, The Outsider, on HBO. <laughs> that hasn't fully gripped me yet, but. I'm I'm currently looking for uh, new shows right now, something I haven't seen yet because I'm I'm in uh, dire need of uh, something new that I haven't seen yet. I actually just got back in on Mr. Robot at the very end because they just had the series finale and I had stopped watching a while back because it just got a little too weird for me. And I got in at the very end again just to see how it ended. And I thought the ending was actually pretty good. But the series was weird. It started out really promising. And then it got to the point where I just couldn't handle the strangeness of it anymore. It went way too far off the deep end. But I recommend if you watched it and got out, getting back in just to see the way it ended. Because I thought that the ending was pretty good. Have you ever had these shows where you get in and then... You stay in just because you've been in so long that you want to see how it ends, but you probably should have jumped off the bandwagon like five seasons ago. That's how I feel with Shameless right now because I'm still watching the show, and don't get me wrong, as long as Shinola Hampton is on it, I'll always watch because she's the most gorgeous woman on television, hands down, and I will hear no arguments otherwise. But the show itself has gone so downhill over the last few years that I'm only watching it out of habit at this point, I think. 
yeah, Dexter was that show for mm-hmm. me that I stuck with mm-hmm. uh, for far too long. And then after that, uh, the way that ended, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And ever since then, I've been, I've bailed on shows when I felt it coming. I really liked the first season of Mr. Robot. And then I was going to watch the second one, but I heard a bunch of people saying that it kind of fell off. So I just bailed. Um, Shameless, I loved the first couple seasons and then I bailed. Uh, I will bail on a show much quicker now and that's all due to Dexter and you know they that ending was the worst I could possibly imagine and I was like yeah I'm not investing time in this and stuff like this anymore if I feel it slipping I will bail yeah I've been that way in some respects for instance I jumped off of Homeland after three seasons I had enough it just got to the point where the whole thing was about Claire Danes and her weird relationships and I didn't care anymore I jumped off of Ray Donovan although I've been told that it's gotten good again so maybe I'll jump back in but a lot of these shows it's just not worth the time investment once you see it going downhill like I said I think part of the reason with Shameless that I talked myself into staying is because Shanola Hampton is still on the show so as long as she's on it I'll keep watching but I hate when that happens with a show where you almost feel like I've gotten this far and then you start to get to the point where you're hoping for a series finale to come just so you can stop watching the show. It's like, please give me this reprieve so I don't have to keep watching this show anymore. That's what I feel like with Shameless at this point. But I'm with you now, Chris. I'm doing my best to start to jump off of shows rather than stick with them for too long. Mr. Robot, though, I will say, if you get a chance, Chris, go back and watch the end because I thought that the ending was done pretty well. And you don't necessarily have to have watched all of the seasons to appreciate the ending. As long as you watched the first season or two, you can get a pretty good idea what's going on. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably go ahead and take a look at that again. Like I said, I, I am in uh, desperate need of something something new to watch. If you are going to try to recommend stuff, though, to me on twitter i'm more than welcome to but think it through because i watch a lot of tv so so (laughs) if if it's something popular most people know then uh, probably save it i've probably seen it chris nimbly who is the owner and the operator the leader of the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com thank you so much for joining me for the mailbag once again anything else you want to get off your chest before we run I think I think I'm good right now. I think I got most of it off, uh, especially the whole I don't care about defense thing. That and the fact that you're proud of yourself for jumping off the bandwagon on certain shows. By the way, I should have done that with How I Met Your Mother also. Stuck around on that show way too long. The ending was infuriating, just as you said the ending was for Dexter. I won't give away the ending for either one, but I regret having stuck around for either of those two shows for the exact reasons that you talked about. So as you said, I also welcome recommendations for television shows, but I don't have a ton of time on my hands. So when you recommend something, just try your best to think through what you think I may like. If it's some sort of weird rom-com, it's probably not my cup of tea. Just letting you know that right off the bat. Chris, thanks for joining me on the mailbag as always. What do you got cooking over at JetsInsider.com? I know you and Nanny have plenty of fresh stuff up. Yeah, Nanny has been uh, doing a lot of work right now. He's got uh, something up on the special teams, on Henry Anderson. He's got more coming. Right now, I'm my focus is on getting my taxes right. This is the first time I've ever had to do anything business-related tax-wise. Um, most of my taxes have been pretty straightforward. So right now, that's my main focus. 
uh, next week is when I'm really going to dig into tape and I'll start doing some free agency stuff and I'll have a lot of content about that popping up soon. Make sure that you're reading Chris and Michael over at JetsInsider.com. Follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. Follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A. Also, if you haven't had the opportunity to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it really does a lot for us, so we'd appreciate it if you could go ahead and do that. And it helps us to provide you with the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, and for that, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.